Hello and welcome to Cup of Tea, a friendly, patient and gentle space for honest discussion and debate. My name's Harry and I'm a gay trans man. And my name's Oliver and I'm a gay cis man. Together as husbands, we are sharing our experiences and trying to build bridges to give a space for people to ask questions and learn. In this episode, we'll start with our weekly tea review and then spend some time talking about terminology. We'll look at what certain words mean and why we use them and how they can make some people feel. We'll spend some time looking at the dreaded C word, and um, cis, not anything worse. And we'll be looking at what we can learn from Julius Caesar all those years ago about dividing and conquering. And finally, we'll finish with our weekly shout outs on the theme of Father's Day. So what tea are we drinking today, Or. Well, first of all, we've got to thank uh, my boss, Katie, mm-hmm. uh, for giving us uh, some tea. We had a really lovely surprise in the post. So thank you, Katie, for sending us. And we'll uh, put a picture on Twitter later. Um, it's a pucker box of tea, uh, pucker in both senses of the word. Um, and one of the flavours, and we'll go through the flavours gradually, is a peppermint and licorice tea, which we're currently drinking. Well, about to drink. I haven't tried it yet. Now, I've got some... Difficult feelings, I think, about peppermint. Mm. I've, uh, in my old job, I used to describe it as basically a packet of polos mm. dropped into a bowl of dishwater. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of peppermint, it's got to be said. I don't mm-hmm. know what you think before we try this one. So peppermint, I've always found it very, almost like a medicine. It's not exactly a tea I drink for pleasure. It's a tea I drink maybe if I has an upset tummy or just needed something a bit soothing, um, but not necessarily something I enjoyed. So yeah, I'm viewing this with some trepidation, but also quite interested to see what the licorice does. Making Katie feel really good about <laughs> giving us this tea. Aren't we? <laughs> Sorry. So okay, I'm gonna we're gonna have a sip. Okay. okay. Oh, that's really nice. That is nice. So the licorice kind of. It gives it, it's kind of hard to describe, but almost like a texture. Um, and it's quite sweet, which counteracts the slightly sort of leafy earthiness of the peppermint. This would be so much more full of gravitas if you sounded like Lloyd Grossman. I know, I'm sorry. Mm. It's nice, it's like, so you get a first bit of mint. Yeah. And then the licorice like gets you on the back of the throat. Yeah. It's actually really pleasant. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. Good. Should we go on with the rest of the Let's show? Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Katie. Talk about terminology now. So there's four key words that are going to crop up quite a lot in our podcast. And we thought we'd give you a brief explanation and context for them today. And those are trans, cis, non-binary and passing. So first of all, um, trans. Um, So basically, trans is a difference or a mismatch between your physical sex and your mental gender identity. Um, So for me, I was born with a female body, but a male gender identity. So what did that feel like, 
I suppose, if, if you don't mind talking about that. Of course. It's very hard to explain, and I think it's something that's unique and different for every trans person. Um, for me, personally, it was it was partly related to, I guess, my interests and hobbies, the way I like to dress, the way I like to have my hair. And that was part of it, because I guess those, particularly the way I dressed and did my hair, were my ways of saying to the world, yes, I am really a boy, I am really a man. But it was more than that. And it was more than just... You know, yes, I liked football and I liked playing with army men rather than Barbies and things. It was just this feeling ever since as long as I can remember, really, that I I was a boy. I should have been a boy. Um, yeah, and I guess that real desire as soon as I was old enough to understand that there was differences between boys and girls. Yeah, the desire to really be on the other side, on the male side of that difference and have a body that physically matched up to how I felt about myself and my head. I suppose the easiest way for me to describe it is even if you put me in another culture or you put me in a world where, you know, anybody could like any interests and could dress and style their hair and whatever, any way, I would still be trans because I still would want to have a male body. And it's it's so hard to describe because, yeah, there's nothing exactly that you can put your finger on and say, this is what in my head makes me male. But clearly there's something. And that's the whole cause of what's called dysphoria, which is when trans people describe that real sort of sense of disconnect or discomfort or pain with living as one gender in your head and physically as another in your day-to-day -day life and when you notice those disconnects is when it's those real periods of pain and I think most trans people will experience that kind of moment of discomfort or dysphoria however they want to describe it yeah so in terms of trans obviously you know we've started using trans as a, as a word a lot more um i used to use transgender um and i know you know i was just wondering whether you know the three terms i've heard are transgender transsexual and transvestite yeah i was wondering if you were able to shed a bit of light on those three of course um transgender is the term that's most often used nowadays um, and generally it's shortened to trans and that's generally the term that is the kind of safest one to use. Um, if you want to say that somebody is a, you know, somebody who is living in a different way to what their birth sex is, trans is probably the safest one to use. It's kind of a broad umbrella term that covers lots of other identities. Um, transsexual is a more, it's an older term and it's a more medicalised term um, and it's something that you might find on your diagnosis maybe if you're um, a trans person, um, maybe not 
in the recent past, maybe like say 10, 20, 30 years ago, that that might be how a doctor described you. Um, I, a lot of trans people don't feel particularly comfortable with transsexual as a term because it kind of implies that you're only valid if you're going from one, you know, complete physical sex to another complete physical sex. Um, and the last one was transvestite. And that is basically when you cross dress, if you like, you wear the other person's, the other gender's clothes. Um, and it's it's different. Lots of people think it's related to, to trans, but actually it's not. It's a different thing. So Eddie Izzard is a famous example of a transvestite. So he is happily identifying as a man. Um, and sometimes he'll present as a man, but then other times he'll like to dress as a woman um, or have bits of like like feminine clothing in like he'll wear a suit, but he'll paint his nails or do his makeup or something. Um, but it doesn't mean that he wants to be a woman and it's not something that he does all the time. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's the difference for most trans people. It's like it's a permanent choice. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to go on to the dreaded C word? I think we should, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'll give a very brief overview. So the term cis, basically, it's all it is, is the opposite of trans. So a trans person, somebody who's living in a gender identity that is different to the one that they were given at birth, and a cis person is somebody who is living in the same gender identity. So um, so you are an example. You were born a man and you live as a man and your gender identity is a man. So you're a cis man. Yeah, and um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so um, we have obviously discussed this for a long time. I, I think for probably too long, I think I really struggled with the word mm. cis. I... Um, really really didn't like it and I could never quite work out why I didn't like it it just felt really reductive mm. it felt really dehumanizing mm. it felt labeling mm. um, I felt that it was reducing me to just three letters and I suppose it wasn't until about four years ago when I was having another of my kind of internal rants about the mm -hmm. this that I realised that that's exactly how trans people feel. Yeah. <laughs> and that actually probably what I was, what I was struggling with was approaching even a hint of what trans people experience, mm. I suppose. And so for me, yeah, it took me a long time to really grapple with the use of the word cis mm. uh, to describe me. Part of it maybe um, was the fact that growing up as a sort of gay and disabled man um albeit white and middle class so I, I kind of felt that it was giving me it was making me part of the mainstream in a way I've never felt mm. so I think there was that defensiveness which I I feel less bad about mm. that side of it but also maybe it was part of me didn't want to admit that I had that privilege yeah um so that was kind of point one on my journey when I thought I need to just get over myself <laughs> Um, and just use it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really make a difference to me day to day. No. Um, and the other one, um, 
was that I just realised it was just a word. Yeah. Um, in a typical old sort of fashion, I realised it when I was reading about the ancient Roman Empire, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was when I saw about Cisalpine and Transalpine Gaul. <laughs> and, um, yeah, realised that Cis literally means on this side of, and trans means on the other side of, or passing through, or, mm-hmm. or something like that in, in Latin. Yeah. Uh, hence transport and all of those other words, you are moving through something. Um, and when I realised that, kind of all the resistance just crumbled, really. I, I think I just thought, oh, well, they're just descriptive terms yeah. for what I am. And that really, really helped. Yeah. And I think it's, it's useful to think, if you didn't use the word cis, what word would you use? And unfortunately, you would probably end up using the word normal. And that is what's really othering to trans people. And it's why, you know, gay people used the term straight to refer to people who are heterosexual, because otherwise you have normal people and gay people and bi people. So actually by giving everybody a label, it means that you're not having one group of people who are, in quotes, normal and the others who are different or deviant in some way. And actually that's really powerful. And that's... Like you said, it doesn't really affect you to say that you're cis, but it makes a big difference to trans people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think it makes it easier to be equitable, not equal, because cis and trans are not the same, mm. but equitable. We can all participate in the world as close to equally as we can, definitely. as long as we're all aware of our different privileges, I yeah. suppose. yeah. Did you want to talk about non-binary? Yes. Um, so very briefly, non-binary is when you don't really identify as either male or female. And non-binary people may present their gender identity to the world, as in sometimes they might present in masculine or male, sometimes feminine or female, sometimes androgynous all the time. Um, it's really quite a unique journey to that one person as it is for everyone but I think for non-binary people particularly because there's maybe not that vocabulary certainly in western culture to describe that gender identity and that journey um so yeah that's probably all I'll say on that because what I'd really like to do is to have some non-binary people come and talk to us about their experiences because it's something that actually I don't know a huge about about myself and I think it's really important to, to give them a voice. Great. And the final one was passing. Yes. So passing is the, I guess, the term for living convincingly as your chosen gender. And actually, it's quite a problematic term for a lot of trans people because it almost implies that we're faking something or we're pretending or kind of having to convince somebody of something that we're not really you know if somebody says oh you pass really well as a man to me it almost has got an unspoken bit on the end of but you're not really a man so I think that's why a lot of trans people don't really like it um it you know passing is something that I guess is important to a lot of trans people particularly those of us with with binary male or female identities you know we do 
want to be seen as the gender that we are, but we want it to be in a affirmative, positive way, rather than in a, oh, you look so good, I would never have guessed, sort of way, um, if that makes sense. And for anyone, just just because I'm feeling mischievous, anyone who didn't <laughs> do commuti- computing in the 80s, what does binary mean? <laughs> binary is um, literally just male or female, or in the sense of computers, zeros and ones. Brilliant. Okay, so as Ol said earlier, um, he was reading a book about the Romans, and he came across the terms cisalpine and transalpine Gaul. Um, and that got us thinking, really, about the Romans and how they built their empire. So, don't worry, you haven't uh, stumbled into a totally different uh, podcast. <laughs> and we're not going to spend ages talking about Julius Caesar and his, his conquests across Europe. <laughs> um, but it did really make uh, me think when... Um, so I'm going to say some Latin here. Now, I've never studied Latin, and but I just think it adds a bit of gravitas, doesn't it? Because mm. we still live in a world where... Uh, dusty white male studies kind of still give up that that sense of assurance. Don't yes. They? So, um, I've looked at five different ways to pronounce this, so I'm just going to mangle Ooh, it. Okay. Um, but I think it's divida et impera. Ah. Don't you know? Um. Anyway, in plain English, that's divide and conquer. And what was really interesting to me when I was reading and doing a bit of research about a good old Jules Jules Caesar, um is that actually he would never have conquered Gaul if it hadn't been for um, him pitting the different tribes and uh, kings against each other. Okay. Um, at the time, Gaul, up until the 3rd century BCE, um, was quite powerful. Mm. It was very wealthy, and actually one of the Greek colonies apparently had to ask uh, Rome for um, aid from, wow. from the uh, Gallic empires. Um and I just thought, well, how did ancient Rome conquer mm. a powerful group of warriors who were famed for their prowess on battle and their wealth and, and their, their kind of glory? Um, and the simple answer is you made them fight each other mm. and then came in and kind of nibbled away until suddenly they were too weak to do anything about it. Yeah. And that's not unique to Julius Caesar. That's been the tried and tested approach politically and militarily and sociologically for any kind of powerful group mm-hmm. um, against a group of um, other um, kind of identities or, or nations mm. or, or people um, f- ever since. So I think Machiavelli talked about it. Yep. Um, people have just traditionally done it all the time. And I think that's, one of the reasons why we set up this podcast, mm. not to liberate Gaul <laughs> yet, although, you know, big ambitions. Yeah. Um, but no, all, all joking aside, I think it's because we've seen that within the discourse on trans rights, kind of progressive people who are in favour of rights for all, legal protections, mm. human rights, uh, immutable human rights that are you know, part of all of us, mm. we're being separated. Yes. And we're turning against each other. And we're starting to feel suspicious of each other. Mm. Now, 
it's very easy for me to say this as a man, but I have always, or for as long as I can remember, considered myself a feminist. Mm. I'm a passionate believer in women's rights and in giving, or giving, sorry, that sounds really paternalistic, but supporting and championing women uh, kind of in all, all parts of society. And yet somehow I find myself arguing more and more with certain groups of feminists. Mm. And that feels wrong to me. Um, and I don't like it, mm. <laughs> basically, because what it does is, while we're fighting each other, you can see respective governments across the world gradually reducing the rights of everyone. Yeah. So if you look at Poland, which is cracking down on, on lesbian and gay rights mm-hmm. massively, and nobody's really speaking out about no. that because we're sort of too busy talking about bathrooms yeah. and whether or not trans men or women should go into which bathroom. Yeah. In terms of the United States and the rights of women and gay men and women there, the trans debate is overshadowing the fact that actually Donald Trump has just disenfranchised women and their access to abortion mm. in healthcare. Yeah. But some people are supporting that because at the same time he's disenfranchised trans men and women from yeah. healthcare. So it just seems to me that something is happening where we are being divided and not quite conquered, but we're being started to be conquered. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it's not, we don't need to spend a long time discussing it, but I know you had a sort of personal uh, kind of story when we went to London, which you'll share, and I wanted to draw attention to an organisation I found. So, yeah. But if you want to go first. Of course. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about a gig that we went to in London a couple of Christmases ago, I think. Um, and we went to see a band called Johnny and the Baptists, which I highly recommend. They're brilliant. Um, and one of their support acts was Grace Grace Petrie, um, who is an amazing singer-songwriter. And she, she sung a couple of songs, and they were really good, really fun. And then she stood up and said, um, oh, I've got, I want to sing a song about trans people, and I'm a lesbian, and... So I've got some quite strong feelings on this. And my first reaction was, oh no, she's going to be a turf. She's going to be somebody who doesn't like trans people. And I felt sick, I think, because, yeah, I didn't know what she was going to say next or what she was going to sing. Um, And unfortunately, that, you know, I think that summer was the first summer that um, people like trans-exclusionary feminists were marching at Pride and trying to, you know, really ramp up the discourse against trans people and to try and put lesbians and trans people as somehow opposed to one another. So, yeah, when she said that, I thought, that's that's what I thought her position was going to be. And, I, yeah, I did. I felt really sick and I felt really sad because I'd really loved her first few songs and a lot of what she said had you know, had a lot of resonance for me and um, was just really good music. And I was having a lovely night and I think it was your birthday slash Christmas treat. And, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was walk out and feel sad um, in the middle of a crowded street in London. Um, But then she started to sing an absolutely beautiful song called Black Tie, which has become one of our favourite songs and was our second dance that we had at our wedding um and 
yeah, it turns out she absolutely was the opposite of what I thought and is the most strongest supporter of trans rights, um, is really active on Twitter and through her music um, and has even got targeted by certain people on Twitter who dislike trans people because of her support for us. Um, but it just shows, I think, how effective those divide and conquer tactics can be. Because, yeah, I might have just decided to walk out before she even started the song and never actually heard something that was a really affirming song about how basically, yeah, we we are all, you know, we should be sticking together and um, that it's absolutely fine to express your gender however you want to. So, I yeah, I guess the moral of that story in a way is divide and conquer does work, but it works like if we let it whereas if we can sort of maybe actually listen to one another then we can you know we can unite after all definitely and if you look at all of the big civil rights movements and women's uh, suffrage movement and you know any of those kind of campaigns which you've got rights for individuals mm. that have previously you know been kind of discriminated against They've all been big coalitions yeah. of, of people, um, and, and that's really positive. And, you know, I think in future podcasts we will probably talk about the term TERF. Yeah. I know that is a controversial term. Uh, we probably will continue using mm-hmm. that on this podcast uh, largely for the same way we might use the term racist yeah. or sexist. Yeah. Um, now, some people listening that might not like that straight away when you hear it today. But, you know, maybe in future uh, podcasts we, we can talk about that so we can maybe explain why Definitely. we use that word. Yeah. Um, but it isn't used in a casual or hate-filled way. No. I just wanted to say that. I think what I would just like to share, and I think I'm probably going to try and invite um, these people onto um, the podcast at some point, I've stumbled across an amazing organisation called AORTA, mm. which is the Anti-Oppression Resource and Training Alliance. Um and actually, they've got a whole handout about understanding and resisting divide and conquer tactics. Ah. And, you know, I've just had a brief look today, uh, but I'm definitely going to spend a lot of time looking at them. And like I said, I really want to invite them to chat to us um, because actually they have a whole theory of change about, you know, how we can support each other and how we can build uh, bridges. And it's absolutely amazing. And um, I'd really like to see what they think about our podcast. And uh, Amazing. And I suppose all I would say is urge everyone who's listening today to keep building bridges um, and keep listening and keep challenging. Definitely. Yeah, we're stronger together. We're going to finish today with some Father's Day tributes and shout outs. Uh, to our two dads um, but before we do I just wanted to give my own uh, tribute to my brother Jem who's celebrating his first Father's Day uh, with little baby Audrey um, who was born uh, eight months ago I think roughly wow, yeah. which has gone uh, really fast Yes, and uh, it's amazing to know that she's doing so well uh, yeah. and I'm just really proud of him and Michelle yeah. and Audrey for doing so well definitely congratulations you three um, yeah so yeah I'd just like to say um, to my dad, he's, yeah, Clive, he's um, a brilliant man, always uh, very funny, very kind, and just a really good example of a real gentleman, I'd say. So thanks, Dad, for everything you do. And 
Uh, mine is for Ed, my dad, who um, sadly isn't with us anymore nowadays. Um, but I think he would be really interested in our podcast. Definitely. Um, I remember when I used to do the occasional radio interview and he'd call me straight after and uh, first of all wish me um, congratulations and then talk about what happened and then give me some constructive feedback. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure he would be all over this uh, in terms of his kind of journalist experience. So, um, yeah, just a massive thank you for everything that my dad and obviously your dad has done over the years. Uh, and I think that's everything for us today. I think it is, it? yeah. So, um, I don't know, well, yeah, go on, sign off. Yeah, so my sign off today, um, I think I can never think of anything particularly witty to say, to be honest, for sign-offs. So all I'd say is, yeah, let's, let's stick together, um, keep drinking lots of cups of tea, and, oh yeah, don't forget to email us if you want to raise anything for the podcast. Um, it's cupoftrans at gmail.com. And we hope to, well, we hope for you to hear us next week. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.